You are listening to WRIRLP 97.3 FM, and this is Open Source RVA. On the February 28th edition of Richmond's Audio News Digest, we talk about the traffic questions surrounding the mayor's Shaco Bottom Stadium plan. Community activist Rick Tatnell joins us. Then, filmmaker and critic Jerry Williams, TV Jerry, takes the director's chair to talk about his new Sifter website, this Sunday's Academy Awards, and the Richmond International Film Festival happening this weekend. We'll also present a rebroadcast of our segment on one of the films to be presented at the festival, Political Bodies. But first, here are some of the top stories making headlines right now. I'm Onofrio Castilla, and here's this week's News Roundup. In Richmond this week, the green light was given by Richmond City Council to finalize the details of the Shaco Bottom revitalization plan in a 6-3 vote at Monday night's council meeting. 26-year-old Evan Kelsey of Richmond is wanted by the police after being mistakenly released from prison on February 15th, despite having been convicted of attempted murder and use of a firearm in a felony on January 28th. The whereabouts of Kelsey are still unknown. The Huffington Post picked the Bird Theater as a Virginia must-do in an article listing one thing in every state for travelers to experience. The courses have been released for the 2015 World Road Championships to be held in Richmond. Maps can be found online. During last week's Chat and Chew, parents questioned the administration on what was occurring in their child's educational facilities. Abid Rahman has the details. Martin Luther King Middle School was filled with the aromas of mashed potatoes and fried chicken, alluring teachers, parents, and members of the community to school board member Shonda Harris Muhammad's second chat and chew. Although the auditorium had many empty seats, the filled ones stabbed deep into the status quo of Richmond Public Schools. Catherine Illion is the mother of a first-grade Chimbrazo Elementary School student and a University of Virginia graduate. Filled with emotion, she says, The teachers are doing what they're being asked to do. But what they're being asked to do is a really low bar. Illion's comments evoked another parent to question the standards of teachers. The parent said her grandson has behavioral issues and has been sent home for more than 10 days since the beginning of the year. The parent, who did not wish to disclose her name, questioned media's roles in perpetuating stereotypes. She says, You have a lot of working parents with everything, but the media portrays public housing as a, a frenzy ground of low income, having babies, on welfare, food stamps, don't want to do anything, selling drugs, getting drugs, laying up, you know, a stigma. Marilyn Scott, a teacher at Oak Grove Elementary School, has been teaching for 25 plus years. She left Richmond for three years and saw no change in the time she was gone. Scott learned from the dialogue that occurred and says, Sometimes I feel like I don't have any connection with the previous schools or other schools in the Richmond Public Schools. So this is very educational to me. And besides going to the school board meetings, I really don't have any interaction with the school board members. Harris Muhammad said she wasn't going to speak but couldn't help from sharing a suspenseful biographical story which enforced the concept of not giving up. She placed pressure on the teachers to meet the individual needs of each student. After the meeting, Ilian shared that she appreciated the anecdotal addressal of the issues but says, I would have appreciated more kind of talking about policy and 
moving the issue forward, but I thought it was a good start. Harris Muhammad and members of the community agreed, however, that hosting future meetings within high-poverty neighborhoods would be key in increasing the involvement of parents. For Richmond Public Media, I'm Abid Rahman. Well, it's official. The best documentary of the year won't be given an Academy Award during Sunday's Oscar telecast. It actually arrived a bit too late for contention. The clear-cut winner was the epic five-hour thriller that was Monday night's city council meeting, where citizens squared off in heated debate over the mayor's Shaco Bottom ballpark plan. One of the key plot points was traffic and congestion, and whether or not the numbers in the mayor's preferred traffic study are accurate. Joining us today is someone who has looked long and hard at Shaco Bottom traffic projections, Mr. Rick Tatnell, community activist and the founder of Replenish Richmond. Tatnell's been studying the traffic situation for a number of months, and he's here with us today to try to help us understand what all these numbers mean. Richmond Flying Squirrels fans say that traffic, congestion, and ease are their main concerns. So why aren't we taking the traffic situation in Shaco more seriously? Welcome, Rick. Thank you, Don. Um, talk a little bit about uh, how you got started in this. Uh, sometime uh, last year, you took a look at the study, the Timmins study, that the uh, mayor was using uh, along with his ballpark plan. Talk about what you found. Well, again, we've uh, had this plan coming to us for so long. Um, and I've been prepared for it once it did get rolled out, and as soon as it did, I was interested in the traffic study, uh, in part because I knew that the, uh, any of the development, development that had been presented couldn't fit down there. But I also live in Churchill, and um, I use Broad Street and Main Street, the mm -hmm. two streets that would have be severely impacted by all this. And so I had a personal interest as well as a community interest, and... Um, just sort of uh, paid a quick attention to something that I knew was out there, although apparently a lot of people didn't realize that right, it was right. out there. Well, now the Timmons study, the Timmons study is from 2008. Is that correct? Well, uh, the, the Timmons study uh, was done, uh, it was presented in August of 2013. Um, okay, but okay. one of my issues with the study is the fact that the numbers that were used, uh, uh, DTM, which are directional turn right. movement numbers, mm -hmm. um, were from a study in 2008. Right, and they so the Timmons study used those numbers, but they were outdated. Now, uh, describe that. How is it outdated? Well, um, again, they they used numbers that were done for the uh, Richmond Colt Storage or uh, build out uh, back in two thousand and eight. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that Shaco has exploded with apartments and condominiums since since then. Right. Um, I was able to identify uh, uh, one thousand one hundred and thirty five apartments and condominiums that e have either come online mm -hmm. or are about to come online uh, since those numbers were done. And even since the 2011 numbers that the city was used, uh, that the Timmons used from the city, mm -hmm. uh, all of these have come online since. And uh, that's just an extraordinary number of people that are coming to that community at every time the, the squirrels have a game. Right. You know, I, I worked down there for a while, and uh, I was trying to see how that could work uh, uh, because there are certain times of the day when it is truly congested down there. You you have uh, people backed up on the interstate sometimes. 
so yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, just looking at it from a common sense perspective, it doesn't look right. It, do, it doesn't look uh, as though they've done their diligence. It's, uh, um, there's so many things that weren't considered. And again, um, as you just mentioned, if you happen to be down there on a regular basis mm-hmm. and know the community and how it all functions, um, number one, it is congested already. Two, there's no opportunity for remediation. The streets are the streets. They're not any. They're not wide. They were built back in the 1700s. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. They weren't meant for uh, this. And uh, with the size and the enormity of what the mayor wants to put down there, um, there's simply no not enough room. Why um, have you been able to discern why they didn't do uh, an entirely new study? Because it costs money. Hmm. They spent sixteen thousand dollars on this study, and they got their money's worth. They ended up getting. Right. $16,000. They have said, since I've been pushing so hard, uh, the numbers that have been put out is, is that they need to do a study that's going to cost $150,000. Mm-hmm. It take three months to do. Right. They didn't want to do their homework. They uh, got... Well, considering that the uh, Squirrels fans have made it pretty clear that uh, ease of getting in and out of the ballpark is one of their main concerns, you, you would think that this would have been maybe... One of the first things that they really locked down. Well, um, as is in all elements of the mayor's proposal, they look at the top part, the iceberg, what's, what's over the surface, and that's what they present, and they don't talk about the nine-tenths that are down there underneath the water. And um, in the parking and in the traffic, they've made a big deal about the fact that actually the exits for the interstate bring you closer to the, inter- to the, to the ballpark than they do at the diamond. Hmm. What they don't tell you is all the issues that you're going to have to deal with to get off that interstate if you can, when you can, and then to deal with all the parking. Um, it, it, the, the numbers are factual. It is closer physically. Right. Um, but when you start to talk about what it's going to take to actually get from your car to the ballpark and back, it's an conti- entirely different scenario. Talk a little bit about some current developments, um, particularly uh, VDOT. What does VDOT have to say about all this? Well, um, Amazingly, um, VDOT just got the Timmons report a couple of weeks ago. Um, one of my major issues hmm. uh, is uh, uh, the, is the Franklin Street exit on, on 95 North, which is re- remarkably short. Um, and I've actually walked it. I've done a, a study of uh, how long, uh, how far it is uh, on the on the ramp. Uh, it, it's a dangerous nightmare. Um, and I realized that this is something that needed to be looked at and that we need to figure out who would VDOT to, to get with. And then I found out that the city had just presented to VDOT recently and the council hadn't talked to VDOT at all. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Now, now you said you had read, you'd already corresponded with VDOT. I have, uh, I've sent in to, um, to the VDOT representative, my analysis of the Timmons analysis, and they've taken that into consideration. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been very uh, helpful in letting me know how the process is going forward and uh, looking at it. They really only control the uh, the interstate portion, so they don't have uh, any way in on the, the vast majority of the traffic and parking study that Timmons did. But right. um, the uh, 95 South at Franklin Street and the 95 North at Broad Street that comes out onto Oliver Hill, Oliver Hill Way are the two... Uh, areas that they're very interested in. And um, they've come back and said that what was presented by Timmons was so general and nonspecific that they really even couldn't weigh in because there wasn't yeah, anything there to wasn't tell. anything to, uh, <laughs> to do, yeah, to compare. Um, there's, uh, there's been a number of people who've weighed in on the traffic uh, situation. Some say that this really isn't a big deal. Um, 
One of the uh, supporters of the project uh, had this to say, uh, some have brought up increased traffic as a problem with the plan. This concern, this concern seems short-sighted. I do not think a plan which is primarily about urban renewal should make broad accommodations as to what a suburban form of transportation is. I see the increased density as an avenue towards greater use of and investment in pedestrian and public transportation infrastructure. What do you think about that, that this, this will actually make, the traffic situation will actually make people find alternate uh, ways to get there? I, I think that uh, I fully support the general concept that that person um, espouses. Right, um, right. But I think that in a reality time frame, and certainly in the, in the city of Richmond and the Richmond region, we're not there for a long time. We've got a lot of work to do before we're going to be able to appreciate um, alternative uh, modes of transportation. And certainly um, downtown, we need to establish, we can't establish it based on a car-based car uh, mm -hmm. uh, economy. Um, but it is the way it is now. And we have to expect that for several years it will be that way. And even if the, um, we were able to quickly go to public transportation and bicycles and walking, um, which hopefully they're hoping a lot of people are going to walk to these games, mm -hmm. and they might. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't know that now. And but people aren't going to walk from Chesterfield to these no, games. Sir, is my, sure, is my they, uh, no, concern. They sure aren't. And, um, you know, what you're talking about, and this is the city telling the squirrels, well, we'll just... Uh, uh, we'll run your business for you. Don't worry about it. Uh, Eighty percent of the people that go to the Squirrels games now are from the counties, right? And uh, those people are admittedly. And we have very little public transportation between here and well, the counties, right. right? And and they don't have a lot of motivation right now because of the way the whole thing is being handled, where the city is taking this on and sort of uh, right. saying, you know, we're going to do it our way. Um, and the other issue, and this is something that I think is really important, I don't think that the what the mayor's proposed without the stadium can fit down there. Mm -hmm. I don't think we can put 750 apartments and a hotel and a slavery heritage uh, spot and a 65,000 square foot Kroger down there. There's not enough room for that yet. Hmm. And then you add 2,500 cars on that on 70 nights a week. Um, we're in trouble. Right. It, it, this just hasn't been considered at all. Talk a little bit about, I know some, some people were angry at you because you keep mentioning this, but I, I, I found it kind of compelling, the, uh, the whole um, safety issue. Um, Public safety. I have, have done, um, again, I'm not a traffic engineer, um, and, and I've said that and to but everybody. But I play one on television. Exactly. Um, but what I've been trying to do is look at the scientific, I am a scientist, and, and what I have been looking at is trying to look at what has been considered and what hasn't been considered. Mm -hmm. And the, the amount of information that hasn't been considered by the Timmons study is enormous. Um, they basically say that there's not there's going to be a marginal increase in traffic at the Franklin Street South exit. Um, if you go to a game now that happens on the boulevard, you will see uh, a, a line of cars that actually go out into the interstate often. But they also have the opportunity to wind down through that uh, uh, the off-ramp and then down Boulevard. Mm -hmm. um, I've done an estimate that 100 cars in line would cover half a mile's worth of highway down at the interstate down in, in, in downtown and it would that is you have merges coming in from all places um, it's going to be so dangerous and I'm really concerned about the safety and that's why I reached out to VDOT. Um, anything else that we need to consider that we're not considering uh, about the uh, the traffic numbers and the projections that have been made uh, anything uh, any any other uh, notable aspect of this that uh 
that you would want the public to know about? Well, I think um, the other thing is not only what's happened over the last, again, the last five or six years, but we have to anticipate what what's already in the plan to happen. So right. the First Freedom uh, hotels are going to be at 14th and Cary. They need to be considered. The Main Street Station, that needs to be considered. How many people are going to come to this uh, to the heritage site? That needs to be considered. Um, but my biggest concern and, and what I think needs to happen is, is that this is all supposed to be done first. We need to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that this can happen before we even talk about any of these other issues about hotels and whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're doing this with the, the carts before the horse, and it can't work that way. We need to sit back, stop, do that three-month study. If it costs $150,000, the business community has been asked to find $30 million for the state, for the slavery. They can certainly find $150,000 for a project that they say is supposed to work. Well, especially if the uh, you know the results could be you know a catastrophe. It could well, be right. it could be that, terrible for that, us. That's the biggest thing, Don. Everybody has, including 98% of all the supporters, have just said, well, of course the mayor did his homework. We, we, we certainly expect mm. that he did his homework. And, and Terry McAuliffe says that too. Terry yeah. McAuliffe doesn't want this to suddenly implode because they didn't do their homework. Right, He's right. expecting that the homework was done. It flat out wasn't done. And um, he, we owe it to, to the opponents, the supporters, everybody to do the study to prove. If it can work, great, then let's, then let's talk about the project. But if we prove that it can't work, then we got to go to a different plan. Well, I'm Don Harrison, and you're listening to Open Source RVA, and we've been talking to Rick Tatnell. He's been talking about the key concerns behind the mayor's proposed Shaco Bottom Baseball Stadium, the traffic. For more on Rick Tatnell and his work on the Shaco Bottom traffic issues, go to his website at replenishrichmond.com. Hey, thanks for coming in today, Rick. Thank you, Don. Support for WRIR comes from Style Weekly, Richmond's alternative weekly for news, arts, culture, and opinion. This week's edition is now on newsstands and at styleweekly.com. It seems as though there's a film festival of some kind happening every week in the city. But the Richmond International Film Festival, which kicked off on Thursday and continues through Sunday, March 2nd, is a cut above. The festival will screen more than 60 new films of various links. Movie industry panel discussions and Q&As will be featured, and there'll be live musical performances. Joining me to talk about the festival and also the Academy Awards happening Sunday night, I'm joined by Mr. Jerry Williams, director, critic, webmaster. Oh, what doesn't he do? Mr. Williams will be a part of this weekend's festival, hosting and participating in most of the Q&A discussions. You can also hear Jerry right here on WRIR 97.3 FM, reviewing local theater productions. And you can find his new venture, Sifter, on the web at tvjerry.com. And I should also add for full disclosure that occasionally you can find me as part of the Sifter family. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you very much. By the way... um I forgot what you were, you just said something and I it was I oh. wanted to fix it and I forgot what you it wanted, was already. You wanted anyway. to correct me. Uh, I did, but as I've been doing for many years. That, I was going to I was going to say so it feels right at home. Um, 
I know what it was I wanted to tell you. You said my new website, Sifter. Actually, it's, it's was April, for, yeah, so it's, it's almost a, a year already, which yeah. is pretty amazing. Now, but it, but it's called Sifter, but it's at tvjerry.com. TV we yes. need to make that. And the reason I did that, just real quickly, TV Jerry has kind of been my brand for years. That TVJerry.com has been around for 15 years mm-hmm. as Tales from the Grips. And a lot of people know me as TV Jerry. It's, you know, it's my corporation. It's on my license plate. So when I went to do Sifter, Sifter.com was already taken. I looked at some others, and a couple of people who were consulting with me said, Jerry, people know you as TV Jerry. Keep the website the same, and people will figure it out. So hopefully people are figuring it out. Uh, talk a little bit about the uh, Richmond International Film Festival. You're a part of this. You're uh, going to be moderating the Q&A uh, discussions. What is this festival, and uh, what are you going to be personally showcasing? Well, this is actually the third year. It started as the Mix Festival, and then it, it, it was changed this year to Richmond International, which is kind of a more appropriate title because it does have films from all over the world, literally. Uh, a woman named Heather Waters is the person who created this, and she is the force behind it, and she is a force. And she does amazing <laughs> things to get this whole thing happening. Um, there are 69 films. I was also a judge for some of them, so I have seen um, a lot of them. There's some impressive films. A couple of them suck, but, you know, there are a lot of really great films. Some of them are f- full-length feature films. Some of them are shorts. Uh, of course, they're all bunched together in little clusters. Uh, most of them are at the Bird. There are a few at the Virginia Historical Society. And then there's one special event at uh, Sound of Music on yeah. Saturday night where they're going to have some performances, too. She likes to incorporate music. Actually, at the Red Carpet event on Sunday, there will be musical performances interpreting some of the award-winning films. Right. So some of the films that are going to get best in show or best in category somebody's going to get up and sing or perform Mm -hmm. before that. So that's kind of a cool little twist to the usual award ceremony. Neat. And uh, it's at Sound of Music on uh, Saturday at 6, and there's going to be a... uh, a documentary on Pussy Riot. That's uh, right. And, and she did ask me to mention, to be sure to mention, it's called Pussy versus Putin. Yeah. And yeah. there is limited seating for that one. So yeah. if someone is interested in, in seeing that specific one, they should probably get online on the website and find it soon because mm-hmm. that is going to probably sell out. They'll be available at the door if not, but yeah. that one probably will. It's going to be a part of a larger program of uh, music videos. Um, right. Uh, yeah, and also uh, you mentioned that uh, the Virginia Historical Society also will be doing uh, some more Virginia-based films, uh, including one, I believe, on the VCU Rams. Yes. And their final four right, appearance, a right. documentary. And there's one on political bodies, which I think you were talking about That's on this right, show. Which will happen uh, actually tonight, Friday night. Right, right. Um, but uh, uh, is, is there a theme? Is there an overall No, it's just, that? it's a mix of everything. There are actually uh, some local things that students do that were shown this morning, the, the local project that kind of tie it all into the Richmond uh, base too. But no, there are films on everything. It's, it's all inclusive. I mean, there's one on uh, bicycling that was actually, it kind of challenges the UCI the, you told me what it stands for, United. Uh, in the, yeah, the Cycling Association. Cycling Association, yeah, yeah. because they haven't been, great about including females in their events so this this documentary kind of talks about that and richmond 2015 the group that's bringing mm-hmm. the big bike race to richmond yeah. uh are going to be there for a q a before the movie as opposed usually most of these after it's over the, the filmmakers come down the producer or whoever's here from the film mm-hmm. and we ask i ask a couple questions and we take questions from the audience so it's a chance to learn more about the project right this one they're going to talk about it beforehand uh, and then there will be a reception afterwards down the street at one of the bike stores. Oh, okay. uh, she's doing lots of coordinating. There's another interesting film called Finding Neighbors. This is actually a, f- a feature-length film written by Rod Hudgens, who is an Oscar-winning writer, screenplay right, writer. Right, right. He's written for Spielberg for a number of films. Mm-hmm. 
And not only that film uh, is about a, an artist who is blocked, and he's he's he writes he writes and illustrates his own books, and he's blocked. And so the film is shot in some ways. Some of it, the transitions take place through animations or through mm-hmm. books, as if it's his own book he's writing. Yeah. And so they're co- coordinating with an illustrator who does the same kind of thing, who graduated from VCU, and they're having a show at Decor around the corner to show off his work oh, as a okay. kind of yeah, a a tie-in. event. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So she likes to do those kind of tie-ins to make it a little more interesting. Uh, and one other one, mm-hmm. unless you have a question, uh, that's actually on Sifter that was up Monday. It's called Human Nexus. It's a, a right, yeah. woman from VCU. She teaches visual storytelling there. She started this project when she was at University of Indiana, and she's worked on it for a long time. Uh, it's an amazing film. She did it all in the computer. It's the history of com- of uh, communication over eight minutes, and it's a it's a wonderful film. There is a video, a, little, a couple of highlights from it, and a video with her talking about it on tvjerry.com now. Right, and that's going to be a part of a program of uh, short films uh, at The Bird on um, Saturday at 4.15, I believe. That's going to be one of the best attended shows. If people want to go to that, they may want to get tickets in advance. I know there are a number of ones in that one. There's another one called Tainted Love, mm-hmm. which Orlando Jones, famous the actor, actor right. uh, wrote and stars in. There's some other well-known faces in that. Um, and you said he will be there. He at is the here in town now, actually, and oh, okay. he will be there for that. And um, staying over at Jerry's house. Yeah, <laughs> the Joneses and the Williamses. No, but he uh, he'll be here for that. And there are some other people that are coming in. I'm not sure who else is here from that I believe um, oh, and I blanked on his name Julia Roberts' brother who they don't talk Eric uh, Roberts Eric Roberts is, yeah. in, is in the film oh okay uh, and there's some other faces that people would recognize so there, that afternoon at 4.15 that's going to be an interesting group because there are <clears throat> a number of strong shorts in that group mm-hmm. and you know this is one of the cool things about it is that you don't often get a chance to see shorts yeah you know you can see them on YouTube but to see them in a big theater like The Bird mm-hmm. uh, to, to see a cluster of them together is, is a it can privilege be, it can be some amazing work yeah uh, and uh, it, maybe you can call it up on On Demand uh, occasionally they'll have a program available but on the big screen this is a this is a unique opportunity yeah. and, the, and of course the, the good thing about being shorts is if one of them sucks it's short yeah. so you just wait yeah, to the next one exactly exactly <laughs> Hey, let's talk about this overall. Uh, I, I try whenever we have filmmakers or film people up here, I ask them this: Are we a movie town? It just seems like we have a film festival every week here now. We have a lot of people who are really dedicated to creating festivals, mm. um, and some of them are better attended than others. Uh, there's now there's a horror film festival. Of course, mm-hmm. there's the James River Film Festival, French Film Festival, uh, the French Fel- Film Festival, which is enormous, which yeah. is the largest French film festival in the country. Right. Um, but when you say, "Are we a film town?" That's really an interesting statement because you know the Biograph came and went and was never successful, never well, you know, really successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Criterion over here on Boulevard, part of Movie Land. Yeah. Uh, there's four theaters there, and they're mostly devoted to uh, art films and mm-hmm. foreign films. And I will go to a movie there, and I'll be the only one in the theater on a Saturday night, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, people. It is unfortunate. And I have friends say, "Oh, why don't they ever get these good movies here?" I'm like, "They're here. They're you here. just got to go there." Mm-hmm. And the thing I think a lot of people don't understand is most of those movies get a week, yeah. and if you don't go during that week, it's gone. They pull it. Yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's talk about Sifter just a little bit. All um, right. Uh, it's at tvjerry.com, like I said. What can people find when they go there? Uh, all kind of stuff. We, we kind of call it a snarky cultural guide to Richmond. It's not the definitive guide. It's not a calendar of here's everything going on this weekend. 
it's things that that I or my contributors think this is kind of cool and interesting. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, we cover I cover movie and play reviews. I do both of those. Uh, Bill Rice covers music, and he's just started in about the last month. He's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. We have Elliot Schaffner who's writing. Uh, writes food and uh, Sam Kahari who's a recent VCU graduate he's just started working on art Don Harrison who's some reprobate in town who occasionally <laughs> contributes something uh, and then David Timberline who of course oh, writes yes. for style he occasionally has a piece that is not appropriate for style that he'll write on good there. man he's a good man and one of the things that, that sets it apart is I keep everything pretty short and except for your pieces that are just so damn good. Um, and a lot of videos being that I'm a video producer for a living I bought a little tiny camera and a mic and mm-hmm. a light and I go out and interview people and so try to have that human nexus that story was on last week uh, actually I was yesterday in Hopewell at the Beacon Theater the new theater down right. there that's been completely renovated it's a beautiful they did an amazing job now you're going to have a special report on uh, I'm going to have TV a video TV tour yep. on on Sifter Monday it'll be up Monday that's I was awesome. editing it today and it's it's a cool theater it's the baby sister to the bird it was designed in by the same guy mm-hmm. and uh, 1928 28, they it was did a, a beautiful vaude, job. It was a vaudeville house. Now, we must have loved vaudeville back then. Yeah, there's a lot. Yes. There's a lot of vaudeville. Sally there. Rand was the big name, if people know who she is. Mm. And uh, they've done amazing stuff. The guy that, uh, that that's working on it down there said that, listen, this is better than some of the New York venues. He's, the, the, uh, Brad, who books for um, the, National. the National and some other events in town, he said he's been to New York clubs that aren't as good as this. One of the things they have that's kind of cool, they have a washer and dryer. Mm-hmm. Because you know a lot of these bands are on the road. Yeah. They, they check in the middle of the afternoon. They got dirty clothes. Well, this is the formula that the Norva Theater has had such great success right, with, right. and also the National. If you give uh, if you give artists all these amenities, then they will come. There's really no reason to play Virginia, right, so you right, have to right. give them a reason. Right, right, and right. Uh, there was some of these artists will will show up just for the hot tub. Yeah, or yeah, whatever, yeah. You know? But um, it's a cool space, and uh, so I will have that video on there. Do you Monday. know when it's supposed to be up? It's actually open. It's open L- now. Last weekend, the weekend we just passed, was their official opening weekend. They had the Blind Boys of Alabama. They had Vanilla Ice. Uh. And I can't remember who was here the first night. They had somebody country, because country and western is one of the big sure. sellers oh, down yeah, in yeah, that yeah. market. That's great. Uh, they have, um, oh, I was just talking about it today. They've got, if you look up on the website, they've got some bands you've heard of. They've got some country singers that mm-hmm. you've heard of, mm-hmm. uh, some rock groups, too. But it's primarily going to be a music venue. Yeah, it's definitely a music venue, very right, much like right. the National. And so uh, and so you can find that Sifter Report at tvjerry.com on Monday. On Monday, yeah. Um, you know I have to talk about the Oscars. With oh, yes. Uh, is it going to be Bruce Dern or Matthew McConaughey for Best Actor? Goodness this, gracious. This is really dividing. That's divi- the one you care about, This is huh? dividing me and my wife, incidentally. I see. I, usually the question for most people is, is it going to be Gravity or is it going to be 12 Years a Slave? Yeah, because well, you know, are... we do have an awfully strong uh, best movie field this year. We do. We I'm not even sure I want to guess who's going to. Um... Well, you know, the Golden Globes did a really cool thing with that. They gave Coran, who's the director of Gravity, best director, and they gave 12 years best film. Hmm. So they both got ah. props. It's but a really interesting, I was actually heard. We to... call that the Ang Lee is what we call it. <laughs> Remember that? He won for right, Brokeback right, right, Mountain, right. but yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's impossible to say. There was actually a piece I heard, um, on the way over here about how that the, they did a survey of 5,000 members of the Academy Mm -hmm. and it is just astoundingly over 60 white male. Mm -hmm. And so that's always been a challenge. Why didn't Robert Redford get a nomination? That was one of the the best performances I've seen in a number of years. And uh, he was kind of left in, why? I, I actually was thinking maybe there was some ageism or something, but you say no. 
Uh, well, not if they're all over 60. Maybe they want to see the young people. But uh, mm -hmm. Could be. I don't know. I, you know, and in terms of, uh, of Bruce versus um, uh, Matthew McConaughey, of course, he's on a hot streak. Mm -hmm. uh, there's mm -hmm. pretty much everybody expects him to win everything at this point because he's been playing the game so yeah. well, too, yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, obviously, some of the people are pretty obvious. Uh, more than likely, uh, Jared Leto will get the mm -hmm. supporting because he's gotten it everywhere. Right. Um, the the women's race, I'm calling off the top of my head. I know for Blue Jasmine, um, blanked on her name. Oh, you know uh, Kate is? Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Yeah, right. she was fantastic. She was amazing. I didn't like the movie that much, but she was amazing. But uh, there's some other good competition. I don't think this is Meryl Streep's year. That was no, a wretched I, performance. Yeah. yeah I, I, do you think that her nomination has now become like an automatic? Yeah, just yeah, put oh, her in there. She, oh, <laughs> she made a movie this year? Okay, yeah, put her in, put yeah, her in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where are you going to watch the Oscars? What, what, what's, your, what's your setup on Oscar night? I have a tradition for many years. Actually, you rem I'm sure you probably remember Ray Bentley, mm -hmm. the Midnight Movie Machine. Yeah, he used yeah. to come over every year. He used to also run you know, public relations for the uh, neighborhood theaters back when that was there. He used to come over every year. I'm not sure if he's coming this Sunday. We usually, we always record it, time shift. I usually start about 9 o'clock because mm -hmm. I want to fast forward through all the commercials. Mm -hmm. I always put in at least an extra hour because it always runs over. Mm -hmm. One year I didn't put in extra time and I missed Scorsese getting his Oscar for... Um, uh, uh, the Departed. No. Is that what he got it yeah. for? Mm -hmm. Okay, I was thinking it was the one with... The, the King of New York. Thank you. No, he did not. Who's the film expert here? <laughs> <laughs> Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York, um, But... Um, but then also Jimmy Kimmel has an amazing, you know, that's the night he does all those hilarious spoofs mm -hmm. the night after the Oscars. Right. So I set that extra hour to make sure I watch that. But we just sit at home, have popcorn and, you know, scream at the screen like everybody else. <laughs> well, uh, anything else that we need to cover on the uh, Richmond International uh, Film Festival? Uh, anything you forgot? Any film that you think people should check out that we didn't mention? Or? Well, there are a whole bunch. There's some really interesting films. Uh, there's one that's actually screening, I think it's today. Um, if I can find it, it's from Ru it's about Russia. It's in English. It's an English film, but it's it's about Russia as if there was a cosmonaut who went to the moon and came back. And it's it's kind of already it's kind of unusual. Wow. Uh, but that sounds there are, great. There are a lot of yeah. There are a lot of interesting films, and obviously anyone can go to the to the website mm -hmm. and read the full schedule because there are so many things going on. Yeah, that's and, at rvafilmfestival.com. Right, right. And if you type in Richmond Film Festival, or if you go to Sifter. You can get hit. You can watch that video on Human That's Access. That's right. Go to tvjerry.com. Find out right there. There you go. Yep, it's right there too. Well, I'm Don Harrison, and I've been speaking to director and critic Jerry Williams. He'll be uh, moderating some of the events at this weekend's Richmond International Film Festival. The festival will be held at the Bird Theater through Sunday, and also other area venues such as Sound of Music Studios and the Virginia Historical Society. For more information on the movies and the screening times, you can go to rvafilmfestival.com. And for more on what Mr. Williams is doing with his sifter, go right now to tvjerry.com. Hey, thanks, Jerry. Thank you. It was great fun. Yeah, it was fun. If there's one thing we've learned over the last few years of filmmaking, Richmond makes for a mighty photogenic backdrop for drama. Take, for instance, Lincoln, or the revolutionary spy drama Turn, currently shooting around town. Or how about political bodies? 
The documentary film, which makes an encore appearance at the Virginia Historical Society this Friday, February 28th at 6.30, along with another documentary short entitled This Is Normal, features not just Richmond streetscapes. It also features the harsh reality of Richmond politics, specifically the spring 2012 confrontation between local women's rights activists and some conservative Republicans over controversial reproductive rights legislation. I'm with Molly Vick. She's an activist who became involved in spring 2012 with some of the reproductive rights legislation that was going through the Virginia General Assembly then and continuing on really until now. And she became one of about 12 activists and legislators um, including Delegate Bob Marshall on the Republican side and Janet Howell on the Democrat side, um, and uh, who became the subjects of our other guest, Christopher Inglace. He's the director of Political Bodies. Political Bodies is actually, I, I think, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, your first documentary. Is that right? It's my first feature. Feature documentary. And uh, it's yes. going to be at the Virginia Film Festival in Charlottesville this uh, November 9th. And, uh, by the way, it won at the Austin Film Festival. Is it Best Documentary Feature? That is correct, yes. So I guess first thing we should say is congratulations. <laughs> Thanks very much, man. <laughs> it's very exciting. And then I guess ask you, what brought you to Virginia to make this picture? Um, you know, early on in um, – it actually all started in 2008 uh, when Obama won – um, Virginia, I, I found it really fascinating that he was the first Democrat to win Virginia in what I, I believe it was 44 years. Um, and so I kind of got interested in the idea of this traditionally reddish state turning purple and possibly more blue. Um, I believe that was because the rise of the affluent suburbs around D.C. that were in Virginia, which brought in kind of wealthier but educated and progressively uh, leaning liberal um, voters. Uh, so I thought that was quite interesting, and then I was even more surprised when two years later, uh, Virginia elected Bob McDonnell and Ken Cuccinelli, uh, which, you know, in comparison, are night and day in kind of their extreme nature. So that kind of piqued my interest. At the same time, I, I'm kind of a policy wonk. I, I like to follow legislative bills. I, I saw these three bills in particular that were going on in Virginia. Um, so you, you were, now real quick, where are you? Where are you I'm in New York. You're I'm in New, New York. York. <laughs> so yeah. you, you really are a policy wonk if you're watching bills yeah. in Virginia. Yeah, well, you know, similar bills had just passed in Texas uh, with little to no fanfare. Um, not much was said. Um, and I just had this kind of idea that maybe Virginia would be different. And, uh, and, and it turned out to be. And it was different. So yes. tell us, I guess, uh, when did you show up in, in Virginia to start? I guess, uh, either shooting or, or just beginning doing some of your research? Yeah, um, I started the research um, early on. In, uh, it was about January of 2012, and I think I began to reach out to people in March. Okay, so right around the time that, that Molly is getting involved. I think it was a week. I mean, it was a week after she got involved, I believe. <laughs> I believe it was the case. Now, real quick, Molly, we've had you on the show before, um, and by the way, we now can see you on the poster for this uh, <laughs> this movie, which you're very embarrassed about, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> tell us uh, your involvement, as I understand it from having talked with you in the past, was, was not really accidental, but it was somewhat unexpected for you, right? It was. It was somewhat unexpected. I um, showed up at the first silent protest at the Capitol in February of 2012, and 
started doing research and became very quickly involved with the organizers and was involved in the organization of the March 3rd protests where there were arrests on the Capitol steps and acted as a media liaison that day. And I think it was literally within a couple of weeks of that that um, Chris reached out and had seen a quote saying that I was very new to all of this that happened to have been picked up in the AP because of a quote on my shirt that said, you just made an activist out of me, which ended up being a very sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> and that, I think, sort of set off a chain of events um, that both got me involved and also um, brought Chris to contact me and started our conversation. So, Chris, what about Molly uh, piqued your interest? Um, I think what's really important here is, you know, to really note that we are not debating the morality or the legality of abortion. Um, what we're commenting on and debating are these three bills, which I... Sure. I and, and real quick, the three bills. Yes, so the three bills would be the transvaginal ultrasound, the personhood amendment, and the trap laws or the target regulation, regulations against abortion providers. Um, so they're kind of the main characters of my film, and I felt that it was really important to show that these were not just um, activists or um, employees or workers in, in the um, you know, choice um, industry who work in, in, in abortion. You know, these were everyday women. Um, including a woman who had never really been in activism before, stepping up and saying, kind of enough is enough. And, and I think it's really important to show that in, in the film that these were not, you know, I do have some kind of more harder stance activists in the film, but I thought it was really important to show that it, it was everyday people stepping up and saying, you know, that these are, these are clearly extreme. Now, does your does the film take a particular stand or stance on anything, or is it is it coming at it just from a almost a, a journalistic? Um, um, I mean, I think you know. So I I wouldn't say that it's necessarily editorial. Um, it's not it's not a Michael Morbius film. I'm not in the film, um, kind of you know pushing um, situations. I, I let the situations play out. You know what. People say that it's clear that I might side with, um, do you know, do the um, activists or do the pro-choice side have more screen time? Um, yes, they do. Um, but I would also push back and say that that's because I, it was very difficult to get anyone from the pro-life side to speak with me. Um, so the two who did speak with me, you know, they have a lot of screen time. I asked everyone tough questions, um, and you know, hopefully that comes through in the film. So Bob Marshall, how was he? And I've heard that in person he, and in fact I've had my own experiences with him, he's very personable in person, kind of a he, nice guy. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, he was very personal. We were supposed to have a 20-minute interview. Um, he allotted me over an hour and a half. Um, it was, you know, there were there were moments where it was a, a bit more back and forth intense, and, um, you know, here's the thing, uh, he, he does not try to hide or deny his convictions. And, and that is, you know, a rarity sometimes in politics, and I applaud him for that. Do I agree with everything he says? Absolutely not. Um, I probably don't agree with anything he says, um, but <laughs> I do think that that's he, both should, of your he, rights, he doesn't <laughs> he, he doesn't try to hide behind it as other people do. He says exactly what he wants. He says exactly how he feels and what he thinks should be done. Um, and I appreciate that he sat down and, and, and talked to me. So, Austin, how was that? It was, um, I mean, just one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my life. Molly's it was pretty green and Yeah, it was ear. pretty incredible to be a part, <laughs> just to be there as an observer and see it all. Absolutely. So did you have a lot of stage time, Chris? Um, yeah, you know, uh, I sat on a couple panels. 
um, the South the festival, you know, asked me to sit on some panels, which was really great. Um, and, um, you know, we did a Q&A after the screening. And, um, and then, of course, there was the award ceremony where, you know, I was completely honored and humbled and, and pretty much shaking and shocked. Um, I didn't think... <laughs> We would we would take it, and um, you know I got to give an acceptance speech that was not planned prior. It's very so very interesting that this was in Texas. Yes. Uh, was that some in any? I mean, of course, it's Austin, so that's sort of like another planet, Texas. But I guess it's a a, a, a body orbiting Texas. But at the same time, <laughs> um, it is Texas. So this is uh, the place that sort of piqued your interest in the first place about this issue, right? Yes, and, 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 you know, and more recently what happened with Wendy Davis um, and the filibuster, it, you know, it also became quite a battleground over abortion um, access. And just recently... She's the, she's the state delegate or state... Uh, yes, yeah, she's running for governor just now. Right, and, and she filibustered a, a yet another... Um, I forget what that, that regulation or law was. Very similar, to... very, very similar. Uh, they were probably getting very similar laws that, that, uh, that they pushed in Virginia as well. Um, just two days ago, you know, a judge in Texas actually overturned, ruled um, the laws unconstitutional, but Rick Perry uh, did just appeal that decision. Okay, and these are, again, this is similar to what is termed trap yep. laws here, but are, I guess, abortion clinic regulations. Um, and parts of those that law was found to be unconstitutional in Texas. Um, and so, talking on these panels, what sort of questions were you taking? I mean, were you were it was it a receptive audience or or were you? I mean, I'm sure it was. You won, but <laughs> what what sort of questions were you being asked about the issue, if any? Um, you know, we had a lot of questions um, about um, just kind of the interviewing style and decisions that we made with the editing process and, you know, why I chose, a lot of it was, I guess, because I'm from New York, you know, why I chose Virginia or, how, you know, how did I know this was going to turn into something? There was a lot of curiosity in that way. Um, you know, when people were talking about that, you know, there's moments of fun, uh, there's laughter, um, you know, there there are kind of emotional parts and then uh, there's a lot of action as well. And I, and I think, you know, not every documentary kind of is able to have that. So, you know, this, this, uh, the plot really kind of is really well-rounded and, 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 and told. So now uh, how told. long did you spend on this film? I mean, how, from... Uh, uh, probably including research and editing about a year and a half. And, and how, how long shooting, I guess? Um, we shot, um, we went to Virginia um, over the course of three months and three separate occasions. And, and long time spent, you were doing, I'm sure, lots and lots of interviewing, but you were also at the assembly, right? Um, we had, I personally wasn't at the assembly. The, um, we, we did make the Board of Health meetings, um, and we oh. were at the protests there. Um, and then we had... Because um, you said donor. action. I was, I was hoping for action. That would be action, wouldn't it? Yeah. The Board of Health. No, we did, we did have camera people that we were able to... Um, access their footage and we're able to use it in the documentary okay. um uh so the so the the, the main uh, protests are covered so molly um being i guess a, a focus of this film <laughs> or one of 12 focuses i guess of this film how is that for you i mean is this kind of surprising to again you somebody made you an activist and now here you are somebody made you into part of a film yeah no someone definitely made me an activist um 
it is all very surprising. It's very um, humbling and exciting. And I like to think of it as just sort of being like a representative of a story of that there's just was many of us that were pulled in um, and were able to be so because of many people that had been there long before us. And, you know, I'm humbled to say that I wasn't there for, for much of it and, you know, was able to be welcomed in and become a participant and help tell the story. You've continued since the story is over. <laughs> well, I don't know that the Long story side. is over, but <laughs> well, um, I have continued with the story, yes. And, and, and the movie, I think, does a very good job of showing that the story is not over, and that's a really incredible part of it. Chris, can you tell me a little bit, I guess, maybe about um, how you selected the other folks that are involved in this? I, some are pretty obvious. Uh, again, Molly here showed up in a, a fairly well-publicized uh, photograph. Um, Bob, Bob Marshall would be hard to avoid, and, and certainly Victoria Cobb would be another difficult one to, to not include in the film. Yes. Um, how, how were you, I mean, who, who attracted you? Who are the other 12? Um, so, I, you know, I, I stated I wanted, to show the, I wanted to show the legislators. Um, so I also chose Janet Howell because she, you know, she really attempted to stop the legislation and, you know, did her own amendment, which I found really fascinating, um, where she tried to push, um, and it only failed by two votes, I'd, I'd like to bring up really quickly, um, <laughs> where men um, would have to get a cardiac um, stress test uh, when applying for Viagra, um, uh, and, and then David there, Engelman. There was an, an, an anal stress test or something. Yes, well, it did. Right? <laughs> it involved yes, a probe. It, it, it did. It involved a probe of our own. Um, and, a probe of our know, own. That sounds like a movie yeah. title. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually my next film I'm working on. <laughs> it's <And> the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, gender equity for all. And so um, David Engelman, um, who was a delegate at the time, um, he he also kind of was quite um, adamant against it, and he um, he did a lot. So I thought it was important to have them. Um, I wanted the abortion provider side since they were most likely would be um, affected by the regulations. So well, who, I reached who out. Who there to did you talk with? Shelley Abrams, who's okay. um, from Richmond, a Capital um, Women's Health Clinic, and then I also spoke um, with Rose, who is the director of um, the Falls Church. Rose, um, I, I do not know her. Rose is, uh, do you know her last name, Molly? Rose Cotting? Cotting? Am I pronouncing that right? Does that sound close? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you spoke with her. The, and, and I'm trying to remember, is the Falls Church the one that ended up closing? There's one? No, no, no. She's, she's, she's still, you know, she, she passed all of the inspections, and she's well on her way. She's actually, she, um, Rose just recently um, challenged Cuccinelli um, in court. Um. So tell me a little bit about some of the other folks that you, you spoke with. Again, you were talking about uh, the abortion providers. Um, anybody else receptive from the uh, pro-regulatory side here? You know, I was supposed to talk to Dr. John Seeds, um, who w was a doctor on um, the commission that was uh, um, put together by um, Karen Remley, um, at the time, um, she put together a, a group of OBGYNs to make uh, suggestions to the Board of Health Karen about Remley how to rule. being the director at the time, right? Is that yes? She was. She stepped down later Health because of these team. issues. Um, but she put together a group of OBGYNs. Dr. John Seeds was one of them. He's from the pro-life side, um, and we were supposed to interview him 
and unfortunately, the day of the interview, um, we arrived and he, he didn't show up. Any any reason given for it, not? Yeah, I spoke to him on the phone. He was really sorry. He um, he forgot, um, <laughs> and he was he was at his he was at a out of town. Oddly okay. enough, so this, it was not necessarily a permanent or a purposeful no, flight here. It was... Yeah, no, it wasn't a purposeful flight. He 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 seemed like he you know um, he really wanted to kind of get his reasoning for. Uh, backing a lot of these regulations, and I was really curious as, as an OBGYN, you know, to hear what he had to say. And it really has been a topic of, of hot debate in the medical community as well. Uh, I don't know how much research you're able to do. You're saying, I guess, not too much in the way on film with that, but um, did you, I guess, in, in preparation or laying groundwork doing, doing research on this, did you speak with anybody in the medical community? I did. Um, I did. I, I actually spoke to a number of the OBGYNs who were on the panel, including James Ferguson, who was kind of the main OBGYN. He didn't want to appear on um, on camera, but he kind of um, was fortunate enough and nice enough to kind of talk talk me through the process of, of what was happening. I also um, was given a letter by um, other OBGYNs who, who were on the panel who kind of wrote a very, very long um, letter to me that said I could use their letter in the in the documentary, but they would prefer not to be on camera. Um, and they kind of explained the process to me as well. Did you end up using that letter? No, I did not. I did not. Um, you know, there there was so much information um, that I really wanted to make people understand what these three legislative bills were about. Um, and I had to be really particular with how much information I gave because I don't want this film to just be watched by and understood by activists or people involved in the film. I want it to kind of be um, attainable to all. And so I just needed to kind of really stick to the specifics. Uh, so so this is general consumption in a way, uh, in terms of how it was shot and how it was interviewed? Yeah, you know, I think, I think it could be a really educative tool um, to understand how, not only how legislation is formed and where it comes from, but more importantly, how quickly legislation can be passed without any public input. I think it's a really, really important thing that we know. Very interesting. All right. Well, and again, I've been with uh, Molly Vick. She's an activist that became involved in spring of 2012 uh, in reproductive rights legislation here in the state, uh, opposing it, of course. Um, And she was one of 12 activists and or legislators, including delegates Bob Marshall and Janet Howell, both of whom were involved in in that legislation heavily. And she and they were the subject of a documentary, a well-received, apparently, documentary shot by Christopher Inglis, our other guest. Um, He's the director of Political Bodies. Chris, thank you for being with us. Molly, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Chris. And that's Open Source RVA for Friday, February 28, 2014. I'm Don Harrison, and my co star is Chris Dovey. The show was directed by Jesse Johnson and executive produced by Dino De Laurentiis. Those hardworking production designers known to their fans as the Richmond Public Media News Team are Anafrio Castilla, Cameron Vigliano, Abid Rahman, and Brittany Tracy. Our board op isn't just a best boy, he's an electric best boy, and he is Danny. And what's Mike McKenzie doing here, holding a megaphone and yelling action at random passersby? Oh, that's right, he owns the theater chain. 
Past podcasts and breaking news can be screened at rvaopensource.com. So why not turn the sound down on the Oscars this weekend and listen to our acclaimed and important work instead? The critics have called us a flawed masterpiece and even gave us four stars. And do you like us? Do you really, really like us? Then drop a click on the site's Donate Now button and send some glitz and glamour our way. Glitz and glamour defined as functioning electronics and a microphone that works properly. Until next time, Open Source RVA is on top of the world, Ma. The end.